there was a little boy named James. James was seven. And his very favorite neighbors were Tom and Minnie. And Tom and Minnie were in their 80s, and they were a retired couple in the neighborhood. And they just loved James. It was Halloween, late afternoon, and James ran through the front door crying and ran straight to the living room to find Minnie. And he was crying, saying, I don't want to be a teenage mutant ninja turtle. I don't even know what this costume is. I don't even know what a teenage mutant ninja turtle is or what it does. I don't want to wear my brother's costume. Halloween is ruined. And Minnie was very calm and said, well, how about you be a ghost? My boys were ghosts and they loved ghosts. We might even have a ghost costume for you left over. And Tom says, yes, James, come on, we'll go in the attic and we'll look for the ghost costume. And they did. And sure enough, they found it. And the ghost costume was all of one big sheet with holes cut out and a reflector belt. And James was so excited, he ran downstairs and he threw the costume on. And before he could have any help from Minnie or for Tom, he just ran out that front door to trick-or-treat. And he ran out of the front door and bam, he ran right into the maple tree. Tom said, okay, James, hold on, I'm coming. And before Tom could even get to James, James stands back up and he starts taking off again, running. And he makes it all the way to the neighbor's door and neighbor's yard and bam, he runs right into another tree. And this time James is out. <laughs> He's not moving. And so Tom makes his way over there, sits down and sits James up. And he notices the holes from the ghost costume are all the way in the back. And so Tom starts to make all those costume adjustments. And as he turns, makes the adjustments, all of a sudden, when the two holes on the sheet line up with little James's eyes, James opens his eyes brightly and says, I didn't know I was supposed to see. It is so nice to see today. With all of the power outages, it is so nice to have light. Electricity actually came on the church yesterday morning. My house got electricity last night. Do you know how thankful I am? Yes, I am thankful for power. I'm thankful for light. I'm thankful we can see. I'm thankful that we can hear. And it's pretty ironic on the weekend, we begin this message series. We have power outages because you're in the message series called Be the Light. <laughs> and today, we are being the light through worship. And I have to tell you right now, it has been a minute since we have been in worship together. It's been about eight months, and it is wonderful to be here. And I have to take a little moment and say thank you to the team. Thank you to Shauna. Thank you to Tyler. Thank you to Arturo and all of our musicians because they have been a consistent presence bringing us worship, not missing a week in these last eight months. And so thank you so much to the Chapel Roswell team uh, and musicians. I also
also just want to remind you that in-person worship is an additional option. We are still live streaming, so people can still watch live stream online. We are also still on demand. And so I know that people are part of Chapel Roswell who don't live in the area. And so we want you to continue to worship with us. And we know that some people's worship schedules have changed and depending on different days and times, and we want you to be a part of worship too. And we also know that there are still people who aren't quite comfortable coming indoors, and we honor that and respect that as well. So in-person worship is just one additional option for us to worship together. But whatever it looks like, wherever it might be, whatever time of day you're watching and listening, uh, we are just thankful to worship with you. We're going to begin our Be the Light worship series by me reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, the first 12 verses. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. And then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. These are the Beatitudes. It's the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And of course, the Sermon on the Mount is divided into five sections, and the Beatitudes are the first of the five sections. And it's important for us to know that because these five sections are meant to parallel the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, five books. And the life and the teachings and the example of Jesus, they are used sometimes to parallel the life and the example and the teachings of Moses. And so if you remember, Moses went up on a mountain and he received the commandments. He spent time and experienced God's presence on the mountain. And it gave him a position of respect and a position of authority. And almost a position of a teacher. Here we have Jesus. He goes on the mountain. And it says he gathered all the disciples, all the crowd around him on the mountain. And what does Jesus do? He sits down on the mountain. And sitting down, that is putting him in a position of respect, a position of authority, and a position of a teacher. And then Jesus begins to teach. And it begins with a sermon on the mound of the Beatitudes. Some people have called the Beatitudes 
the new commandments. Some people have called them promises. Some people say they are just simple facts. One theologian that I like, he actually looks at that word blessed and he compares it to the ways that that word is used in other times of scripture. And the interpretation that this particular theologian has of the word blessed is on the right road. I love that. You are on the right road if you are seeking mercy. You are on the right road if you are humble and poor in spirit. You're on the right road in these things. You're on the right road in your grief. It's good to hear that we're on the right road in grief because today is All Saints Day. It's a day that we honor and acknowledge the many people in our lives that have died. Whether they died this year or in years previous, this is the day that we remember it. And so it is good to hear that we are on the right road of grief. It's, we're on the right road of all of our human stuff. That's what that means. We're on the right paths. We're on the right road when we're just in our humanity. Even when the humanity makes you feel like you are alone and going the wrong way. There was a married couple, and they decided to have lunch together. They were going about their days, and in their days, they said, well, let's just stop and have lunch. We'll meet at this spot. So they go to this spot, and they have a great lunch together. And the husband says, honey, before I come home, I'm going to go to the mall and go shopping. Because that's what most husbands do, right? They just go to the mall and go shopping. That's funny. Ha ha. And the wife says, sure, honey, go ahead. You go to the mall and go shopping. And the wife goes home, and she turns the TV on. And it's one of those breaking news stories. And very quickly, she sees kind of that helicopter view that they always put on the breaking news stories. And there's a car going down the interstate in the wrong direction. And all the other cars are honking their horns and bleeping their lights, saying, hello, you know, trying to get the attention. And the person on the news, the breaking news story, keeps saying, this car is not stopping. It is just going, and it's a whole big thing, and people are getting nervous. Well, as she's watching this breaking news story, the phone rings, and it's her husband. And her husband says, look, I, I just think you need to know I made it to the mall safely. It, it's crazy out there. And the wife said, I'm so glad you called. You're not going to believe this, but there's a car going the wrong way down the interstate. And the husband says, one car, all the cars are going the wrong way. <laughs> it takes a minute, yeah. Sometimes we're like James. And we're going so fast, we don't want any help, and we are going to run right into that tree. And sometimes it feels like we are on the right road, and we are headed toward oncoming traffic. Sometimes in our lives, while we are on the right road, we are going too fast, we don't want help, and we try to go alone. And the Beatitudes are really God's way of saying, let me make an adjustment. The Beatitudes aren't about us. It's about what God can do through just a little adjustment. It's God's way of sitting down next to us, helping us sit up, calling us by name, and offering a little bit of help. And so, yes, you're on the right road today if you have some grief. 
God's going to make an adjustment and bring you comfort through it. You're on the right road if you're looking for mercy because God's going to make that adjustment for you. You're on the right road if you're hurting and you're scared and you're lonely because God is going to make an adjustment and let you know that you are of value and of respect and of love. If you are on the right road and you are concerned about peace in the world or an election or racial tensions, let God help make an adjustment and bring a sense of peace and guidance and direction and reconciliation. Because what God offers us is worship. Because every time we worship, it's like God makes one more turn. Every time we go to God in prayer, it's like another turn. It's another adjustment. Every time we ask for forgiveness, God is there to adjust. Every time we forgive someone else, God adjusts. Every time we serve someone else or treat someone else with respect, it's over and over and over again until our eyes are lined up with that, those eyes of God's. God is constantly sitting next to us in a position of authority and respect and teacher, helping us to see, even for a moment, a glimpse of the kingdom of heaven. When Moses came down the mountain, the experience of God made his entire face glow. His whole face was shining, radiating from God. And it was so bright that he actually had to put a veil over him. But even the veil could not hold the light. I was volunteering a few weeks ago at my neighbor's pantry. It's on Monday nights. It was a typical Monday night. And what happens is all the cars, they line up and they wait for the food. And we have all the volunteers, they line up and they're waiting to put the food in the car. Typical night. And so sure enough, there was a minivan and the minivan pulled around and the driver opened the trunk and the volunteer went to put food in the trunk. And all of a sudden, this is the greatest, all of a sudden, a little seven-year-old face popped up from the back row and turned around and said, teacher, teacher, and even started to point, teacher, teacher. And the volunteer putting the food in the car had no idea what that was. Like, I, I don't know. And she just kept putting food in the car. And the, and the little girl just kept saying, but teacher, but teacher. And sure enough, 10 volunteers back, there was the teacher. It turns out that that volunteer was the same woman who sat in a library two years ago and taught that seven-year-old how to read. Turns out that's the same volunteer who is sitting across a computer screen right now doing online tutoring to continue to help her read. That volunteer had put herself in a position of respect and authority and someone called her teacher. And as the two of them saw each other, their whole faces lit up. And even the veil of the mask could not contain it. 
when you allow God to be a part of your on-the-road journey, when you allow yourself to experience that type of love of God, you will radiate the light. That day, as I watched this seven-year-old and this tutor, I feel like I heard someone say, I didn't know I was supposed to see. Amen. Let's take a moment and be in prayer together. Gracious and holy Lord, we do thank you for helping us be a light in whatever way that looks. We thank you for being with us in this worship service today and lighting up our hearts as we hear you. Lord, if there have been any ways this past week that we have not done what you needed us to do, we apologize. Give us another chance in this next week coming. And Lord, we pray many blessings upon the many people who were impacted by Hurricane Zeta. And we pray for the many people who are still being impacted by this very active hurricane season along the Gulf Coast. And we thank you for the many workers who have been working 24-7. And we thank you for the many people working on trees and poles to give us power and make us safe on the roads. But be with the many families whose homes and hot lives have been impacted by that. On this day, Lord, as we look in front of us for our week, we pray for your coverage. We pray for your coverage of grace on all days before us. We pray that you unite our hearts and our minds and you comfort us and you give us wisdom on what to say to each other these next tense days. Help us to know when to give input and when to stay silent. Use us as an ambassador of your light. And Lord, as we think about ambassadors of light, I think about the great communion of saints. And so I thank you for the many people who worship with us right now, who we cannot see. We thank you for that great communion of saints, of the people that we have loved. So in our hearts now, Lord, we give to you the names of our parents, of our children, of our friends and our family that we are missing this day. May you take our mourning and our grief and may you bless it. May you make it good for us so that it's a moment of healing. May we share memories and may we share stories so that grief is not an unwelcomed friend. But rather, we move through it well and healthy and in a way that helps us love someone else in front of us even more. Take all that we offer, Lord. And take all of our insecurities, take all of our doubts, and may you be a part of them and adjust the thinking so we may see ourselves as your beloved. Amen.